tonight, uh, we're going to do a little, we've already done the review of 2018, and it's nice to get a little capstone, a little uh, concise little look at last year, wasn't it? Hearing those testimonies, if you didn't see any baptisms and hear any stories, we'd just be doing church, right? So uh, we're going to come back to that a little bit tonight, and really by the numbers, uh, just over the last three years, our attendance has been up significantly, membership has been up like 10%, cell groups, just cell groups alone, that's our, our cell groups, and I know I'm talking mostly to the choir here tonight, that's our small group system that we have here. Uh, just in the last three years, we've gone from 38 cell groups to nearly 60, and uh, 175 new members just in, in, uh, in our cell groups. Our, our youth, which is meeting now and, uh, and of course, on Wednesdays as well, uh, our Shine alone runs about 220. That's with some of the workers. There's a lot of over 200 going uh, kids there, and youth 150. So a lot of growth going on here. And... Um, uh, but I don't want to, I'm not a big stat guy. I think you've known that. I just don't like to just, they mean something. I get it. I've often said somebody was counting at Pentecost. So, uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, you know, I really want to just, my heart wants to challenge you a little bit tonight as I challenged our staff here just the other day from a passage of scripture that I want to show you from the, uh, the New International Version. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, which says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. That's the line that says uh, act like men in the ESV. And that is, the Greek has the, the word man in there. But the, the NIV has taken the liberties of saying this. He's really just telling everybody to be courageous. And so, be strong. And do everything in love. So, we are talking about the Corinthians here. They were a messed up church. Messed up people. Most of us would probably acknowledge that we've been messed up. Some of you are still pretty messed up. And these charges, I mean, these, these things that Paul is saying here were not pulled out of thin air. It wasn't like, well, let me just say something at the very end here, sort of cinch it all up. And I want to apply the charge that Paul gave to the Corinthians to our church tonight. Sort of use this as a template as we kind of, re, as we look, uh, you know, in a vision kind of a way to 2019. So as we move to 2019, let's do so with guarded minds. That's the first thing I want to talk about is guarded minds. Talking about areas of, uh, of purity, areas of discernment, uh, as, a, as a family member, as a member of this church, uh, the very first place you're responsible for is the mind, uh, because the mind is the avenue to the heart, right? I mean, you're, you're not going to do anything with your heart unless it gets through the head. So protect your heads, protect your minds. Uh, the Corinthians were guilty of turning a blind eye to all kinds of things like sexual sin, comparing, taking one another to court. And remember what the writer of Proverbs said, he said, guard your heart, and the word heart, is the Hebrew word is often exchanged in some translate, English translations, use the word mind. So guard your mind with all diligence, why? Because out of it are the flow of the what? The, the issues of life. And so I think that we have to ask ourselves hard questions, uh, and I would give a charge to every cell group to do that, uh, every, every male uh, every cell group leader, every, every, every man cell group leader, to the men, challenge them in areas of purity, but also the women. Um, we're doing that more and more on staff as well. We, uh, when the men and the women broke up a couple weeks ago, we heard a, 
a great testimony from uh, Frederick Sandberg, who uh, in turn, and I'm going to get back to this, in turn turned around at the end of this very humble testimony, acknowledging his own struggles with purity and how God has given, has placed him on the trajectory of purity, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, but he did something at the very end uh, by reading a letter from his wife to us. And uh, I haven't figured out where I'm going to, I'm going to we got to get some kind of venue so that all of us hear her words. I, I'm so tempted to read them to you. They're that powerful. They were read to the men, as I said a few weeks ago. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it is a, it's just a beautiful, beautifully written statement of forgiveness and a theologically written statement on forgiveness. Not just, not just I forgave my husband, but here's why. And they're very powerful. They're very compelling. And uh, every woman needs to hear the words of Gemma Sandberg to the rest of these men, uh, to the men of Sailorville Church. And I will circle back to that a different time. But having, we move into this 2019 with guarded minds, talking about the stuff you let into your head, talking about the stuff you're letting into your eye gate. I mean, this is where everything just crashes and burns right there, you know. And uh, so, um, and we're seeing it happen often. So I'm asking you again to do that, take that purity stand. And then with the firm faith, I'm talking about on what you believe. Remember, and Paul says here, he says, stand firm in the faith. When Jude, Jude would never have made the inspired word of God had he, had he got his way. He tells us, by way of his own testimony, he wanted to write about our common salvation. Uh, but the Spirit of God stopped him to tell him to write about contending uh, for the faith. Remember, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and if you were in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, if somebody comes to you preaching another Jesus, you'll put up with it. Which means they had, the, they had a very unhealthy openness to unsound doctrine. And that's, I, that's the reason why, even from an evangelistic perspective, and you know, we, we're known as an evangelistic church, our, our, our evangelism has to be theologically sound. Because the people out there, we're, we're discovering the people that were out there that we're trying to reach, they want truth given to them. I, we're work, my wife and I are working with a couple right now. They're very precious. They're digging into the word of God. They've read through the book of Romans in the last couple of weeks twice. They've read, one of them's read through the, the first two chapters of Romans five times. He's marked it all up. He still hasn't come to Christ yet. But he's, got to, he's trying to get his brain, his, his mind wrapped around the truth of God before he receives it. And if that's going to happen, we have to understand the truth of God, do we not? When Paul wrote to Timothy in his last will and testament in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says in verse 10, I love the sequence. He says, Timothy, I want you to, I want you to remember this. You, he says, Timothy, you, you've known my doctrine. Then he says, manner of life purpose, long-suffering. He lists all these character things. And we, may, we love to make a beeline to character. And we love to make a beeline to behavior and lifestyle. And, and we are interested in behavior. We are interested in character. We are interested in competency, are we not? But at all, the foundation, the foundation is not character. The foundation is not behavior. The foundation is truth is sound doctrine. And Paul laid that foundation for us repeatedly. In fact, he comes back to it. He says, look, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's useful for what? For doctrine or, or that is for teaching. 
And then he, a couple verses later, Timothy, there's coming a time when men are not going to endure sound doctrine, teaching. So over and over again. So we have to stand firm in the faith on what we believe. And if you're a member, and I just talked to you a little bit about this too, because if you're a member, you have already said, I'm in. Uh, I, I believe what this church believes. We've, you've gone through the membership class. You've, looked, you've agreed on the doctrine. Do you know what you believe? Can you stand? Can you be like Peter who said, you know, be ready to give an answer? Can you really do that? Uh, and as a member, or, you know, just a couple other things from a practical perspective, in standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith doesn't mean just what, knowing what you believe, but it says I'm going to take my belief and I'm gonna, it's going to, there's going to be an outflowing. There's going to be behavior. I'm going to serve. If you're a member of Sailorville Church, you agreed to serve. Are you serving? Our serving is up, and I praise the Lord for that. This isn't a browbeating time, okay? But I am saying if you're a member and you're not serving, you should be. So where can you get plugged in? Where can you serve the Lord? Are you giving? I just like to pause when I ask that question. I don't know. <laughs> Are you in a cell group? You know, we're, we, we want not just to be a church with cell groups. We want a church, we, we want to be a church made up of cell groups. And praise the Lord, our cell groups are up significantly. Participation, which means those who are members that are not in a cell group are much less now. You are literally and much in the minority right now if you're not in a cell group. I thank the Lord for that. That's a lot of work, uh, good work of Jason Jackson. And, and yeah, you could give him a hand because he's worked really, really hard on that. We're trying to reach the Des Moines area. We've talked about our, uh, the video references, the church plan, and we're going to come back to that again. But did you know that just in the Des Moines area, the biggest percentage, take all religious and non-religious affiliations, 55% have no religious affiliation. Sometimes they're called, the, the, and many of them are the nuns. They just don't claim anything. Which, that just tells me this whole place is wide open to the gospel, is it not? That's why we want to revisit doctrine. I, I encourage our cell groups, which are not, our, our cell groups are not designed to be intense theological uh, times. They're meant to be more life on life. But we want, that doesn't mean it's at the expense of sound doctrine. We want to go back to sound doctrine, revisit sound doctrine. Every profession out there demands ongoing education. Why shouldn't the church? So know what you believe and behave in accordance with what you believe, having a firm faith. And just to remind you of our, our uh, by the way, our, our, uh, our core of values, I want to remind you of those here. I, uh, the first one is the gospel. Jesus rescued me from eternal death, so I will live my life on earth for him. All right? Worship. God alone rules my world. So I will point to him in everything I do. We always want to remind you that worship isn't just when we come here and sing songs. That is part of our worship, but our whole life should be made up of that, right? Growth. God gives me all I need to thrive, so I will develop disciplines for healthy growth. And that, that remember, we've often said that discipline leads to what? Discipline leads to delight. You have to discipline yourself to read your Bible every day. For many of you, it's a discipline just to come to church every week. Um, and probably not so much you that are here tonight. But, uh, but it is a discipline. Discipline does lead to, to delight. Community. God adopted me into his family so I will share my life with his children. Of course, there's a focus on our cell groups there, and that's why we're so adamant about that. Next one is mission. 
Jesus sent me out to live on mission, so I will make disciples as I go. That should be, that just should be our life, our whole the life, our, our, whole, our prayer should be, how can I reach people? Somebody told me just the other day uh, that uh, they were, it was at Christmas time, and they were driving, and I told him I was going to share this story. I, I won't call him out, but it's a really cool story because he was, his, his wife and his mother-in-law were in the car ahead of them. He was in the car behind with his father-in-law, who was not a Christian. And so he said, he said, Pastor, I just got to tell you this. I was driving down the road, and I was talking with my father-in-law. I was so burdened for his salvation. I said, God, would you please open up a door for me to share my faith with my father-in-law? He said, I, I barely prayed that in my mind, and my father-in-law hit me, on the, hit me on the shoulder and goes, hey, so what do you think happens when we die? I don't know of any other prayer that's more quickly answered than that one, that God would. And I say it, and you say, well, that doesn't work for me. That means your heart's not in it. That's all that means. If you're really, your heart is in it, I absolutely believe God will give you opportunities. I absolutely believe that. Uh, so, mission. And then generosity, God owns everything, so I will invest for eternity what he has given me temporarily. And service. Jesus made himself nothing for me, so I will consider the needs of others before my own. And of course, we asked you a little bit earlier, and that's the last one, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. So, uh, you know, are you serving? And if you're a member, you should be. And if you're not a member, I just remind you again, we have a membership class in a couple of weeks, and encourage you to really get serious about what it means to be a part of the, the membership here. I want to go back, go back to the text where, where, uh, where, uh, where Paul tells us to... Uh, to um, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous. That's the, that's the, uh, the next one. So we'll go to the next point if we could. A courageous spirit uh, to reach the lost who need Jesus Christ. To see more people become what? More like Jesus, right? The apostle Paul had this burden in the, to the Corinthians when he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling and my speech and my words are not with human wisdom but a, but, a, but a demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith might not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. And it takes a courageous spirit to be like that. It, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room to love Jesus and love his gospel and tell people about Jesus. Again, to the Corinthians from Ephesus, Paul said, I'm sticking around in Ephesus because a great and effective door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. And so just, I have just, I have recommitted myself to this. You know, in the light of, uh, of the new church plant, our own pastor Chuck going with it, and we've said this repeatedly, we don't have to fill his shoes, we just need to be obedient ourselves in this area, and I'm recommitting myself to be fervent in my, and, and even if God would allow me to be courageous in my evangelistic spirit. And so I just really, really challenge you the same to take seriously the importance of reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. And this, just from a big picture perspective, from a church perspective, we wanna be courageous about that. Uh, our, John Nemers, our intern, he, we've increased his internship. He's, he's been, 
he has been, Chuck is basically putting his mantle on John and has been mentoring him. And uh, so pray for him as he leads the way in that area of evangelism. We want to courageously go, go after our young adults. And again, Curtis Johnson, we've increased his internship to really throw himself in the, into that along with his wife, Lisa. And we want to courageously acknowledge the most amazing segment in the entire church. And you know what I'm talking about? Our women. Can I get a female amen? amen. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Throw that out in a few messages. That would be nice. So we're ta- you know, we've taken women's ministry serious for years, but we really are, you know, we're, we have a paid position now. Uh, we're, we're serious about, uh, we want to hear from, you know, we're not, we're not turning egalitarian or anything, but we, we, we want to hear from our women. They're smarter than us. They're faster than us. They, know, they have better theology than us half the time. What is wrong with you guys anyway? <laughs> but we want to listen to our women. And uh, uh, we want to be courageous about that while being biblical at the same time. And of course, one of the things we want to be most courageous about is the, is the Engage Network uh, uh, Leadership Development Program, which uh, uh, Jason Jackson developed, we worked through together, uh, edited it, put it together, the entire Engage Network was behind it. So come on up here, Jason, and help us out a little bit on, and remind us of what this is all about. Most of you should have received or picked one of those sheets up on your way over, right? Yeah, there's handouts in the back there, if you didn't get one of those. Um, boy, isn't this cool, watching the video and hearing from pastors, isn't this awesome tonight? Really appreciate this, what God is doing here at Sailorville Church and in our surrounding area and in churches around this, uh, this area as well. God's doing some really cool things. Loved that message this morning from Pastor Brad. Um, I, was going to, I was going to just kick off tonight by saying, where are my dogs at? But after this morning, uh, I, that's out of date, so I guess I'm not, probably shouldn't do that. You know, I watched that video and it reminds me of when Meredith and I first got here, the very first recap video that we saw was right around this time of year and we saw one of these videos. And uh, we were both just in tears, just, just watching the baptisms, listening to the stories, listening to some of the little preaching vignettes, and seeing what God was doing here at Sailorville, and just uh, the thought that we would be able to be just a small part of it. By the way, anything put to music in slow motion, I'm just in tears. It doesn't matter what it is. When there's slow-mo people eating cookies, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. Yeah. So thank you, Tanner and Doug and the whole gang back there. You guys do such an amazing job. I love it. It is great to be a part of Sailorville Church, and I I loved what Pastor Chuck said last week as he preached about the Great Commission. I love the idea that Jesus had all the authority in heaven and on earth, and he used that authority and passed that authority on to his first disciples, the Christ followers there in the early church. And I love that those first disciples, those guys, and then by extension the women and the families that were following him as well, went back to their daily jobs and to what they were doing regularly in life and went and made disciples. I like to think, what if they didn't do that? Jesus, they thought, left them before, and they went back to kind of their jobs and were sort of sulking, right? Now Jesus goes back to heaven And they go back and they do exactly what he said. I love the idea, in my mind, this little imagination that I have. They're they're thinking, okay, now who's next? Who do we need to disciple next? Who do we need to share Christ with next? Who do we need to begin to develop next? And they did that. And all of a sudden, you see in the New Testament, Acts and beyond, the emerging church leaders. You see men like Timothy and Titus and Epaphroditus, like we've been talking about in the last several weeks. You see women like Lydia. 
You see, couples like Priscilla and Aquila. By the way, Priscilla named first the woman, so women's ministry. There you go. <laughs> By the way, the women, don't, they don't want to yell out amen or anything. They're so humble. The guys are like, yeah, amen, guys are the best. Women are like, yay, because they're so humble. Yeah. That's, that's why they are the best. You're on your own, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, remember I said that, okay? You know, you get to the Apostle Paul, and you find out all about these early church leaders. And, and the Apostle Paul says himself, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then later on, he tells Timothy, the things, Paul, that I've taught you, Timothy, you teach to faithful men who will teach others. I think Paul was asking constantly in his mind, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? And men like Timothy were asking, who's next? Who's next? Who can we develop? Who can we share Christ with? Who can we take under our wing and begin to see being more like Jesus in this culture? You know, we've been asking that as a church and specifically maybe as a leadership team here at Sailorville for the past several months. Who's next. And in our Engage Network, we want to put a real focus on that, uh, really beginning at the end of last year and moving into the future. Who's next? And so we've developed this intentional pipeline that really we're calling the Engage Network Leadership Development Program, moving people from volunteers all the way up through potentially the next church planters. And we're asking that question, who's next? Who's our next greeters? Who's our next treat makers for Sunday night? Who's our next children's ministry workers? Who are our next youth leaders that go to Frostbite and Sub-Zero with our youth ministry? Who are our next tech people? Who are our next musicians? Who's our next office manager, staff, pastors? Who's our next church planting team? We want to look at everything through the lens of who is next. Who are we developing? And I hope that you're starting to catch that as well. Because no matter what role you have as a member here, you're serving Whatever ministry you have, you need to be asking, too, who's next in my role? Who am I developing? Who am I discipling? So, real simply, this intentional leadership development program across our network is taking men and women from volunteers pouring into them with knowledge and coaching and, and putting intentional experiences into their lives, all the way up through potentially church staff, pastoral ministry men and their wives and families. And we're excited about what God is already doing here. Meredith and I have had several conversations with many of you in this room and across the network, our engaged network of church plants. We're excited about what God is already doing here. We've developed these five levels of leadership, and in those five levels across the board, we want to, our church and our network wants to provide the training and knowledge and coaching and drop experiences into the laps of men and women who are going to be leaders in the kingdom, right where you are now and across the network and maybe even across the world. And especially in the area of six, what we're just sort of calling uh, universal ministry best practices or universal ministry competencies. God's already doing some cool things. Man, this is a cool time to be a part of Sailorville Church, isn't it? We're really excited about being a part of this network and what God is already doing here. And we're asking that question, who's next? And we've got some exciting things to even share tonight about that, don't yeah, we? Yeah. So, and what we had said before, and thanks, Jason, is that we're taking something that was sort of beautifully organic, but in desperate need of organization, and we've given it organization. We're often calling it the pipeline, uh, so that we can identify and then mentor to all kinds of levels, several levels, in fact, until we get to the church planning level, the individual that we earmark to be the guy or guys that we believe would be the next man up as a church planter. And our very first resident... Our very first resident, this is the surprise somebody asked me the other day, what's the surprise you're going to pull on us here tonight? And uh, that was kind of a big word, but, uh, but our very first church resident is 
Brad Posley. So let's give him a round of applause as he makes his way up here, all right? Is Brad is uh, uh, our teaching pastor. All of you know that already, and doing a great, a very capable job. Great message, by the way, this morning, Brad. Fantastic. How'd you get that illustration on the uh, thing on the uh, uh, the dirty diaper thing? That was fantastic. Di- yeah, I'm I, just kidding. Don't no, even I, go there. All right. <laughs> that was inspired by Pastor Patty. I should brought that to my mind. So thank you for that. Because uh, I remember the time you walked in there and took a whiff of the uh, the diaper. I'm just kidding. I don't remember that. <laughs> We're, but but to, all jokes aside, when we, we worked through, Brad and I outlined the entire book of Philippians together, then we worked through it together, we actually meet together, and we talk over sort of our rudimentary notes and stuff, and, and actually, when, he's, when I'm sharing my thoughts and my, my expositional ideas with him and vice versa, we, we sort of bounce off one another, and some of these ideas come up, and sometimes those ideas are illustrations, so kind of fun, so... But so Brad uh, is our teaching pastor. We're grateful for him and what God has and is doing. And uh, you're still our teaching pastor. Uh, you might have to explain a little bit of that. Maybe we can all do that together a little bit. But tell us how did you get to this place here that, uh, and maybe we'll, because we've identified you as the next man up, be the next guy. Sure. Yeah, um, so this is, I floated this to our cell group a few weeks back about me being the church planning resident at Sailorville, and the response was, what? You're already on staff at Sailorville. I mean, what the vision, and, and even what I thought from when this first got rolled out was the residency is for 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds, you know, aspiring to ministry, not guys that have been on staff at Sailorville for 10 years. And um, getting further into this, but that, that's kind of a a narrow view of this. Actually, this conversation's been going on for probably the last three years or so at Sailorville. What's my future look like? What's my development look like? Aspiring to lead church ministry, aspiring to a church planting. And uh, so this has been a, a long process that we've had amongst our elders and staff and discussion uh, for, for quite some time now. And three years ago when I was approached to, to consider church planting, initially I was excited. I was a little torn. I wasn't sure uh, if I was ready to go in that direction yet because I was enjoying being the youth guy, but yet felt a tug from God in my life to, to explore um, options and maybe this was a time for me to go forward. Um, but it was decided by the staff through further conversations, my, my other brothers, the elders in the church here, and others who, who know me well, that I wasn't ready uh, for church planning yet. I didn't have the competencies for it. I still had some, some blind spots in my leadership ability and, frankly, just experiences that I was lacking in church planting. And um, I've, I think I've been kind of open about this, although maybe vague and specific to many others in the church here, that the last three years for my wife and I have been hard, have been difficult. We felt lost in some ways, uh, wondering where do we fit, what are we supposed to be doing. Um, and when that came that, hey, we're not saying never, but not right now, that was difficult. That was hard. And a lot of processing through that time with, as a staff, with my wife, with people who know me well, um, when that was decided. And, and it was almost like one of those things of, okay, what are we going to do now? Because it's kind of Christmas morning, and you open the gift, and then you decide, no, we need to take this gift back. And then it never really fits into the box like it did originally. And it's like, well, what's, what do we do now? 
Um, and this, uh, the idea of teaching pastor came about, which we thought was a great idea to be able to um, really take reaching the next generation seriously and having someone that can relate in a sense, not that pastor can't relate and others on staff, but someone that's relatively close in age to the next generation, which next week Jason turns 40, Paul turned 40 last weekend, and uh, I'm the only Thanks. pastor Thanks, on staff. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but right now, we're the only guys on staff in our 30s. Right. Yeah. But next so. week, I'll be the only guy on staff, pastoral staff, in his 30s. <laughs> so I have a niche right now that I'm able to speak and relate to the younger generation. I still have no that one else for can. the next you couple st- days. Yeah, for the next couple of yeah, days, right. you do. I think uh, Jared's a little younger than yeah, you. Yeah, well, Jared's 29, though, so he's not in his 30s. Ah, so, okay, yeah. okay, 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 okay. Uh, and I honestly, I have had a blast in this teaching role. I, I love teaching the Word of God. Uh, I, it's just, it, I just love it. And it's been such a joy to, to do that here at Sailorville Church. And I'm looking forward to continuing to do that. And um, it's been a joy to be able to, to grow in this position. But I still feel this sense of I want to keep developing in leadership, and I do desire to lead and to be um, in a lead pr- in a plurality of elders, in a, particularly in a church plant setting. And so it was heightened by the sabbatical when you were gone, and I had the opportunity to lead the staff and to do a, a big share of the preaching on a consistent basis. And God just continued to have this sense in my heart of want to keep developing and going further. And so we've been talking about what's that look like. And... Um, I think the residency is the answer to that. It gives me some specific ways to measure my growth and leadership in ways that didn't exist before and being able to track of areas that I still need to develop in. It also gives me the experience in church planting that I haven't had before. So I've been a part of the Engage Network for the last 10 years, but I've never been a part of one of the church plants. And so it's something I've never had any experience doing And so what this will help me to do is to continue to be the teaching pastor at Sailorville, but give 50% of my time to be a part of the core group meetings, the training, and everything else that's going on up in North Ankeny, and being on the the ground level of everything there and observing and watching so that, Lord willing, if I continue to develop, I will have the competencies and also the experience that the residency will give me under also the care of the other Engage Network pastors that have been through it and helping me um, grow in these areas. So That's a great synopsis, and thanks for sharing that, because you're answering some of the question that might be out there. So what's different between Brad uh, today and Brad, let's say, a year or a year and a half ago? And uh, the answer is we saw a year and a half ago, just we saw some weaknesses that needed to be developed before we just unleashed you. And uh, so we've given you responsibilities, such as during the sabbatical and others, uh, for you to continue to develop, and those things are still happening. Uh, And we're excited about your trajectory, and we've used that word a lot. I'd go to Jason and say, just to kind of, uh, just, I mean, Brad alluded to it, but Jason has been designated as the guy, he is the guy over our uh, engaged network uh, leadership development uh, initiative and, and program. Jason, talk a little bit about what Brad will be doing in terms of still a teaching pastor at Sailorville, and yet uh, you're over him, and what's he going to be doing? Help us out on that. Yeah, when I was in high school, I took a developing class, uh, like a photography class, and it was back in the, in the dark room days. So you took a picture, you developed it, and you, you put it in this dark room, but you had to, you had to put it in this uh, chemical stuff, right? You, you you're remember turning that, Brad? 40 next week, yeah, right? Our, yeah. Yeah. Guys in your 30s, you remember this, right? Well, Pastor, this is... Don't even go there. <laughs> they didn't have pictures when I was doing that. 
<laughs> We've seen pictures of you when you were in your 30s. <laughs> yeah. But the, the point there was there, there's an agitation, and then there's an environment, and then there's time. And that's what we're talking about here. There's, there's, intentional, um, there's intentional experiences that we're going to drop into Brad's lap, and, and there's a, the right kind of environment. And then we just need to let God take his time here. And so we're not kicking Brad out of Sailorville. In fact, we're, we're going to be part of sending him when it's God's timing. And we're so excited about that, aren't we? Isn't this cool? Yeah. Yeah. We, we love the idea, Brad, that, you know, like Pastor said, our church is going to be effective not by our seating capacity only, but by our sending capacity. And so it is going to look a little bit different. And we're, we're still kind of walking into the water on this. We're, we're dipping our toes in here because it is a little bit new for all of us. But Brad, like he mentioned, is going to be spending uh, significant time with the, with the guys up in the North Church plant, especially in this early going. Still going to be teaching and preaching here. Still going to be involved in our staff. Still going to be leading a cell group here at Sailorville for the next several months. Still going to be working with Mandy in so many of your lives. But we're going to start to see him a little bit more connected to the experiences and the opportunities that we believe he needs to be one of the next church planters yeah. here in our network. There's a sense in which we're gonna, we get to have our cake and eat it too with Brad, okay? So, uh, uh, and I don't mean that facetiously, it's true. I mean, we are gonna, we're gonna, he's not gonna have a ton of margin, but that's the idea, is to put a lot of responsibility on him, have him feel the weight of that church plant as well, and uh, even though he won't directly have it. And here's the first, we've never been in the midst of planning a church while starting the process of yet another. And that's what this is helping us do here, okay? So we're trying to stay ahead of the game that way. So we appreciate that. Uh, and we're excited. Appreciate your prayers. As, as Jason said, we work through this is all new because, what, again, what's happened so organically over the last 13 years, we're just putting a little more, a lot more organization to. So anyway, so anyway, thanks, Brad. Let's give him a round of applause as he makes his way back. You too. Thanks, Jason. You too. And just another word, but still on this whole business of being, having a courageous spirit. Um, you know, this, we worked through this thing for a long period of time as we tried to determine the Lord's will for how we could do better at what we do best. And, uh, and the result, of course, was the Engage Network uh, initiative. But next week is a huge week. I expect this place to be a lot more packed next week because next week Adam Beecher is going to be with us. And he is going to unpack the vision for North Ankeny. And those of us who've already seen it, it's very impressive. In fact, when he, un uh, when he unpacked it before our pastors and deacons a couple months ago, when he got done, I went, I'm in. Wait a minute, I can't, I can't do that yet. <laughs> I mean, it was that impressive. It was really, and you'll be impressed as well. We also are going to slot a little time for Q&A. We're hoping about 20 minutes for some Q&A with you here next week, but I want to just say this about the new church plant. It's still in the developmental stages. We don't have a venue. These are things to be praying about. We do have the, you know, the nucleus of pastors, Adam Beecher, Nathan Nemers, Chuck DeClean. There are about 75 to 80 people already uh, more or less signed on the dotted line going from Lakeside Fellowship. So a big group. And I expect a big group from this church as well. I've said this. But do not romanticize church planting. It's, it's, it's not, oh, this would be so fun 
talk to anybody who's been a part of our church plan. There's, yeah, there's fun involved, but it's a lot of work. It's, it's, there's so much roll up your sleeves. You got to go to work. You got to get into the trenches. You're required to go out on calling. You're required. If you're a part of the core group, you, you don't, we don't say if you become a member of our church, we, we talk about the value and the beauty of starting your giving on base it, base it on the tithe and maybe go from there. You have to tithe if you're in the core group. That's where we raise the bar to that end. It's not a, it's, you know, as, as often been said, it's not for the faint of heart, but it is for those who, you know, who desire to see the kingdom of God explode in areas where there's explosive growth, and there's explosive growth in North Ankeny. And I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about what's going to happen next week. Daniel tells us, Daniel says that in the latter times, men will do great exploits. And I'd love to see this a great exploit here. I'm thrilled about what's going to happen. I'm thrilled about losing a whole bunch of you, just not the ones I don't want to leave. I didn't mean to say that. I just think that every time. But, but it's going to be a courageous thing. And I'm excited about what's going to happen on it. And uh, so... Uh, let me move to the, there's a couple more I want to share before we close it up here tonight. As we look through, again, the verse, go back to the verse if I could, just to get, just to get, the, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous. The next one is be strong, be strong. And I want to take just a little different twist on being strong. Because being strong and being humble is not like oil and water. What I'm saying to you is that the strong people of God are humble people of God. God loves humility. God hates pride. Be strong in your faith, but also be strong in your walk with God with a humble walk. When you're tempted to resist through pride, the Spirit's work in you, stop fighting it. Do like David. David said, don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be harnessed with bit and bridle or they won't come to you. Have you ever read that? That's a stubborn, proud person. And when God confronts you in his word, when God confronts you in the preaching of the word, when God confronts you by a brother or sister in Christ, and you and your thoughts go immediately to that lawyer within you to defend yourself, which is what most of us do, stop doing that. I'm charging you tonight to be strong in the area of humility. And be like David again in the same psalm who said, I, I acknowledged my sin. Let's be confessors. When you mess up, don't grab the nearby excuse. I, I, I don't, I, you, know, you know, they say, the expression is don't look for an excuse. I usually don't have to look for it. It's right there. I'm asking you to be strong in humility. Um, again, I referenced this letter of uh, forgiveness from one wife to her husband and then to the entire congregation of men. And I, I look forward to all of you women hearing this letter because forgiveness or lack thereof is a huge issue in many lives and some of your lives. If you don't forgive, you become a bitter person. And bitter people are no fun to be around. 
My wife talked to a woman just the other day and who's had a tragedy in her family. She's not a Christian, but she looked at Marilyn and almost like in the midst of it all, she goes, well, but I'm not bitter. <laughs> it's like, it's so evident that it was code for being bitter. And I just want to challenge you to be strong in the godly sense of the word. Uh, David writes in another psalm, the one who's godly is the one who seeks forgiveness. So do that. And finally, have a loving approach. Do everything in love, Paul says. Do everything in love. In all that you do and with all whom you encounter, do it in love. Think about this, the weakness of real love in Corinth would produce the greatest description of love found anywhere in the Bible. I mean, Paul didn't just decide, let's, you know, by the Spirit of God to just write about love. They clearly were not, you don't, you're not loving when you take your brother to court. And so, let's learn to love. Recent days, the Holy Spirit has convicted me of being very unloving in not one, but two people's lives. Not my wife's, although I've been unloving before, but but there are a couple people that I have, and I shared it with our staff just the other day, that God convicted me through a series of circumstances that I have not been as, but my attitude has not been loving. And Paul is charging us here that we do everything in love. My friend Eugene Peterson reminds us that acts of love cannot be canned and then used off the shelf. And if I said to you, if I said to you, um, how does, uh, if, if, God were, if God were to write in his word, these people will be cursed, who do you suppose he would have been talking about? He actually did do that through the Apostle Paul to these very Corinthians when he said at the very end of the first epistle in that letter, he said, let everyone who does not Love the Lord, be cursed. I think I shared many years ago when I first, speaking of my wife, when I first had this interest in her, I drove to her home and I found it where it was. And as you drove in the driveway, it forked and you went to one house or you went to the other house. I didn't know which house was hers, but I looked off and there was a wrought iron sign in the yard that asked the question, do you love Jesus? And I knew where I needed to go. <laughs> do you love Jesus? I thought, do you love Jesus? You tell everybody that comes in here, do you love Jesus? If anyone does not love the Lord, let him be cursed, Paul said. So let all we do flow out of our love first for Jesus, and it'll be a lot easier to love the people around us. Amen. Let me pray. We'll be done. Father, thanks so much for our time together tonight in this uh, little fireside chat and uh, just shoring up what's, uh, what we're looking to do here in 2019 as we move into it. God, help us to be those who have a guarded mind, a firm faith, Lord. I pray, God, you'd give us strong stands and loving approaches and make us courageous for your glory, not for our own. And just help us 
to honor you in this coming year. And thank you so much for what you did do in 2018. We look back with joy, with gratitude, with humility. And help us to go forward with the same spirit. And with your help, we'll do great things for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.